Hey everyone, this is Peter Vantine at First Love Ministries. We're so glad you could tune into the First Love podcast with Mark Fee. Today we continue one of Mark's pre-recorded sermon series entitled, When Under Great Pressure. So let's get right to the message. Here's Mark. See, my idea of rescue is that I'm about to experience hardship. I'm about to experience difficulty. I'm about to experience trial. Or maybe we just stepped into it and then God says, I'll rescue you. And Paul says, you know about the hardships. You know about all this stuff. All these things I did and then God rescued me. Well, like, Lord, you were a little late. But see, for us, we would only say that because we think rescuing is about the purpose of God's power is to get us out of our discomfort and make us comfortable again. But you see, the truth is for Paul that the reason that he would say that God rescued me is because Paul is the one who recognized that the only purpose of his life, his mission, was to do the work. And he saw that rescue meant to him was that he didn't die. Was that he didn't die and that the enemy didn't prematurely take him out of the game. Well, let's go to Philippians 3. Remember Philippians 3? He says, not that I've already attained this, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus took hold of me. He says, I want to win the prize. But then in 2 Timothy, at the very end of his life, he says, I fought the fight. I have kept the faith. And the Lord's going to take me home. Even Jesus said, in this life you will have troubles. In John 17, Jesus didn't pray that we would be rescued out of those troubles. He prayed that God would protect us from the evil one. That's what he prayed. (laughs) Now it's not to say that we can't pray to get out. (laughs) Even Jesus prayed to get out. That's why I love the Gethsemane prayer. Because he is so awesomely, fully, totally human at that point. Remember, the Greek words are about this intensely deep internal struggle that he's even sweat drops of blood. I mean, Jesus thinking, I don't want to do this. And three times he says, Lord, I really don't want to do this. Is there some other way? So it's okay to ask. In fact, turn over to 2 Corinthians It's not like Paul probably didn't pray that he might get out of this stuff a little bit sooner than later. And we have this spot here in chapter 12, beginning with verse 7. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, and I don't have time to tell you what the context is, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. In the commentaries, they talk about that there's probably been as much written on this as only one or two other passages as to what the heck that thorn is. Generally, there's three beliefs. The highest percentage belief is that the thorn was Paul's physical weakness, and particularly that of his eyes. In Galatians chapter 4, he talks about the fact that it was an illness, whatever his eye illness was, that even brought him to Galatia. And then he says, and you guys love me so much that you would have gladly ripped your own eyes out and given them to me if you could have. The other reason why I think this is true is because the word weakness, 100% of the time in the Greek, means sickness or illness. So Paul experienced that too. So he says though, he asks for it to go away. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, verse 8, to take it away from me. Three times I pleaded for the Lord to take it away from me. Jesus pleaded three times. I don't know if there's something magical about three. I know I've asked many more times than three for lots of things. And then Jesus gives him the answer. 
And here's the first answer. When we are under great pressure and we cannot rely on ourselves anymore. The first thing that I've been trying to lay the foundation for you today is when you're under great pressure, don't get mad at God. He's not your enemy. He's not against you. He's for you. And he's not out to punish you. He's out to help you endure, help you to do this. In fact, in Luke 22, in Luke's account, man, I was even thinking about this when I was praying about this this morning. Jesus says, looks over to Peter and says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that you may not lose your faith. You know what it reminded me of is there's another time in the Bible that I'm aware of where Satan asked, Job. Remember Job? God says about Job, consider my servant Job. And (laughs) Satan goes, yeah, that's because you've blessed him. Take away all that blessing and he'll curse you to your face. He says, go ahead. Satan asked to sift Simon, Peter. And Jesus said, I'm praying for you that your faith may not fail. The enemy has one goal and it's to get us to quit. Quit the mission, quit on God, maybe quit on life itself. So how, how do we do this? The first thing is the power of God. When we can't do it in our own strength, we need God's power. Listen to what Jesus said to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Jesus says, my grace, and no one's really totally sure what he means by that. Is it my love? Is it my gracious presence? Is it the grace, i.e. the power that I give you? I don't know what it is, but it's enough. And it certainly has to do with power. And in the Greek, that idea where he says, my power is made perfect. The idea is that it reaches full expression. It reaches its totality. It's fully actualized. And he says, it's in your weakness. See, it's not about us becoming strong. It's about us becoming more weak so that his power become more great. Is that right English? Don't tell me. Let me live in the illusion for a minute. But it's really true, see, is that this is the amazing thing, see, is that Paul finally got it. In fact, in Colossians 1.11, he's in the middle of this prayer that began in verse uh, 9 in Colossians 1, where he says that I pray that God would give you the spirit, the Holy Spirit of wisdom and revelation. And then he says all these things. And at one point he says, and that he would strengthen you with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience. Great endurance and patience. What kind of power is that? Was when he's praying in Ephesians 1, he says, I pray that again, the spirit of God would enlighten your heart so that you would know the hope, the inheritance. And then he says this, that incomparably great power for us to believe. What kind of power? He says, well, that's the power. That power is like the working of God's mighty strength which he exerted in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, far above every title that can be given in the present age and in the age to come. That's the power that's in us and available to us. Woo! Touchdown! (laughs) The question is, is how do we access it? 
Well, I think part of it is the better that we're able to get our mind focused, we're in a game, we're in a mission. And that it isn't so much about God, get me out, get me out, get me out, get me out. Make me comfortable, make me comfortable, make it better. It's about, Lord, empower me for great patience and endurance. Empower me to keep doing it. Think about Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. What's the very first thing he prays? I pray that out of his glorious riches, he would do what? Strengthen you with power by his spirit in your inner being where Jesus dwells in your heart by faith. There's a power that he wants us to know, to grasp, to somehow tap into. But the power isn't so much about us. It's about us only as much as it relates to us staying in the mission, staying on focus, staying on track. We want to repopulate the churches out there with leaders. We want to raise up disciples within that will make a difference. There's a mission and we better expect opposition. We better expect pressure. And we can't let it bend us out of shape. And the first thing we got to do is pray. And it's not wrong to pray God do something. But at some point, you got to stop praying that and say, God, release that power. Release it in my soul. Release it in my inner being. Help me. Because see, here's the thing in the end is that Paul, this is the most unbelievable statement. He says, therefore, therefore, he says, I boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And then that most craziest statement, that's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. When was the last time you had a weakness or a hardship and went, yes, hot dog. That's not normal. See, a lot of times we haven't even experienced the fullness of Christ's power because we're still relying on ourselves. We haven't experienced the fullness of Jesus' grace because we're so self-reliant. When everything's taken care of, you don't need the Lord. It's when you can't do it on your own. He says, then we learn not to rely on ourselves, but to rely on God who raises the dead. I remember meeting, a, there was a camp, it was a really cool thing this church was doing in New Jersey where a camp opened free of charge to all of these physically handicapped people and they would get all these volunteers and I was one for two years. People with cerebral palsy and any other kind of crazy thing where their minds were totally there but their bodies weren't. And for a whole week, we would do games with them, we'd feed them. The guy that I had was 55 years old. Neil had cerebral palsy so bad that he was on his back lying flat. He was watching some of the people go down the slide in the pool. And I said, Neil, have you ever been on a slide in the pool? He says, are you kidding? So I said, we're going to do something about that. And I got him out and I covered me with life jackets and him and one step at a time up the slide, you know, carrying Neil Wonderlick, man. We got to the top and we went down, man, me head first, him in front of me. And we came up and you never heard anybody shout like Neil did. Can we do it again? I said, only as long as my legs and body will last. <laughs> and so we did it. But at the end of that week, they had a time around the campfire. And it was testimony time. Now, mind you that every one of these people chronically suffer all their lives. And then it was Neil's turn. Neil gets out a tape player. He says, Mark, wheel me over. And he says, I've had one of the most fun weeks of my whole life. But with or without this, 
It's because I'm weak that I know that I'm strong. I saw people like Neil know Jesus in a way that I never got to because I never needed to. And the most amazing thing was in that moment, he pushed the button on the tape player and uh, Ray Charles starts singing. You are so beautiful to me. And he's pointing to the Father. And I was just thinking, how can a guy like that sing, you are so beautiful to me? It's because when he was weak, he had discovered the power of Jesus in a way that I had no clue. I said, Father, I want to know Jesus like Neil knows you. I want to be able to sing no matter how long and how hard. I want to be able to push that button and still sing, you are so beautiful to me. You're everything I ever hoped for. That's the kind of people Jesus is trying to make. Father, I do just, um, I do just pray then that you really would encourage each heart that's sitting here today. Father, again, I recognize that there are those who are much more qualified to stand here than me. All I'm doing is talking about Paul, not about me. Lord, I want to become like Paul. I want to become like those brothers and sisters that surround me. I want to become like Neil. Lord, I pray that you would touch us. I pray that you would grow us in this. Lord, that when we are under this great pressure, that we would not lose hope, that we would not quit, that we would not lose faith. But Lord, that we'd be able by prayer and by your spirit to tap into that amazing power that you exerted to raise Jesus from the dead. So Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed and were blessed by today's podcast. For additional resources and to learn more about First Love Ministries, you can visit us on the web at firstloveministries.org. Again, thanks for listening, and God bless you.